Miami played twice over the weekend and with the roster not yet at full strength. Some players took advantage of the opportunity to really stand out, specifically Tyler Hero and Jamal Kane. Has Hero taken the leap? Can Jamal Kane grab a final roster spot? The Heat have emerged as one of the deepest teams in the NBA, and we give you our preseason takeaways on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always is David Ramil. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Standouts from the last two Heat preseason games, Friday and Sunday night against the Spurs and the Grizzlies. That's what we're talking about here on today's episode. A good one for you today. We'll talk about somebody who has emerged over the weekend as maybe the guy with the inside track to be the final guy on the 15-man roster. But worth noting, over the weekend, in those games against San Antonio Memphis, still no Jimmy Butler, who's been out with some dental issue. No Caleb Martin. Still haven't seen Jimmy or Caleb in the entire preseason. Also, Jaime Hakez Jr., Nikola Jovic, the young guys, have not played since the first game of the preseason. So everybody is considered day-to-day. They haven't been ruled out for Wednesday's game uh, against the Nets just yet. But if there has been a standout in these games, David, it's been Tyler Hero. 30 points against the Grizzlies Sunday night on 11-for-19 shooting. He is now the top scorer. In the NBA in the preseason, averaging 26 points per game on 49% shooting, 43% on threes to go along with four and a half assists and four rebounds, not to mention uh, three and a half free throw attempts per game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it would mark a career high for him if extrapolated for an entire season, which just tells me that this guy just continues to improve. Based on what you've seen, David, has Tyler Hero taken another leap? I'd like to say yes. I can't do it because it's the preseason. And I don't know how much of that is going to translate. I think he's doing things the right way. And I think that does matter. I think he's being able to absorb contact a little bit more easily. He's getting to his spots. I think we've seen some minor tweaks and evolution in the way he gets his buckets. But he's always been such a natural bucket getter. I don't know that it's ever been a question about whether or not he can score It's just a matter of doing it consistently and even taking another leap in terms of being an even more aggressive and consistent scorer. And and that's something that we're going to have to wait to see during the regular season when teams start keying in on him and recognizing, oh, this guy has a little chip on his shoulder this season, even more than he has over the past three years. They want to be able to, you know, gauge exactly how consistent, how aggressive he's going to be on a night-to-night basis. I'm going to reserve my judgment for that. I'd love to be able to buy in. Both you and I are high on Tyler and his ability to contribute. And I think that he's using what happened over the summer and the past couple of years, as he has before, to motivate him to take him to another level. But I have to be able to see it consistently when it actually matters because we're talking about a a Memphis Grizzlies team without John Morant and missing a couple other key players like Steven Adams, et cetera. Does Tyler drive to the hoop as much with Steven Adams blocking the way there? That's a player of the year Jaron Jackson Jr. was there. Yeah, well, that's Desmond Bain was there. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, I mean, he was he was toasting like Derrick Rose. Like, I mean, look, you're completely right on the reserving judgment. Like to say, okay, Tyler Hero is ready to make a leap after two preseason games. 
I get that. Like, it's way too early. I bring up that almost just to let's have a conversation about the things that we've seen. Like the the one thing that has sh- that that has stood out to me in Tyler Hero's game, at least in the preseason, is there's he's streamlined things quite a bit here. I mean, there were times over the last few years where he would just yeah. pass up open threes or good looks to just to sort of mess around with the ball and dribble into those mid range shots. And look, right. I was willing to live with those things because he was able to give you so much offensively. So if he wants to just sort of explore a little bit on the court, a, a few possessions a game. Yeah. And let him do it as a young guy. Like, I think that there's something to be said about growing your game and figuring out what you can and can't do. I think that's very valuable at the NBA level. But it feels like he's sort of given those things up. He's he said this multiple times now. He's taking what the defense gives him. He's taking what the opponent is going to allow him to take, which is oftentimes open threes off of these handoffs with Bam Adebayo or Thomas Bryant. He's playing a ton with Thomas Bryant. A lot of pick and roll with him in that second unit. Yeah. He has basically become the second point guard. Uh, on this team behind Kyle Lowry, at least, again, in the preseason, based on what we've seen in three games. He looks good there. Uh, there's definitely more efficiency in his movements in terms of the less dribbling. The slow, he, He's talked about how the game has slowed down. Eric Spolster has talked about how the game has slowed down. Like, this stuff, if Tyler Hero was going to take a leap this year, that's where it was going to come, right? Defensively, he's just he is what he is. He can continue to work hard, and he can continue to add weight, and he continue to try to do that. He's never going to be a good defender, right? He's already said that. The best he could be is an average defender. Just do do your job, be in the right spot, and maybe knock away a few loose balls and turn them into steals. And that's like best case scenario for him. Offensively, he needs to go from very good to elite for him to take the leap that the Heat need from uh, from him this year. Twenty point per game score the last couple of years on varying efficiency, depending on where you're looking at on the court and what kind of shots you're looking at. He's very good off the dribble off on threes. He's very good on catch and shoot threes and spot up threes and off off screen. Like he's in a I've told you this before, but like a top 1% in the league three point shooter. More of that. And then if you're getting to the line a little bit more, you can increase that efficiency. The thing is the heat. They already have guys who are going to live offensively in that mid range. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's what they're going to do, right? Tyler Hero can't be another one of those if he's going to make a meaningful difference on Miami. He needs to shoot more threes. He needs to get to the line more and and just be a more efficient shot chart guy. And so far, based on two games, at least I think that's the approach he's taking. I don't want to sound like a hater at all. I totally hear what you're saying. And I think he has taken those steps. I said that. I think he has taken some, made some minor adjustments in the way he's looking to score and everything else. But how much of this can we actually take at face value considering no Josh Richardson, no Jaime Hawkins, no Jimmy Butler, no Caleb Martin. Those are all guys that are going to need touches in order for Miami to win and be effective. It can't just be a matter of – I think the problem is here, and I don't I don't think that we've ever doubted Tyler's ability to be a scorer or a bucket getter. In fact, as I've said many times before, I think he was Miami's most consistent offensive option for most of last year when their offense was really yep. bogged down. The problem is how you play for the, play alongside those other guys who are looking to get their shots off as well. And that's what leads to those same plays that you talked about, where he over dribbles, where he's just pounding the hell out of the ball because it's like, I've got the ball now. It's not in, in Kyle's hands. It's not in Jimmy's hands. It's not in Bam's hands. It's my opportunity to find my ways to get the scoring. And he's going to try and force the issue a little bit. Can he bend the way he approaches the game a little bit to recognize I can be a, a secondary right. or tertiary option at times and just look to get my, bu- my, 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 my buckets whenever. <laughs> they fit within the flow of the offense. Cause I don't know that Jimmy's willing 
to take that step back. And not, nor should he. He's Jimmy Butler after all. I mean, he and takes a my, step back in the regular season, right? Like this is not a guy who wants to. In be terms of like number of shot attempts, yeah. yes, but he still he still has a high usage, higher than anybody. Oh, yeah, else he's got the ball in his though. hands and he's creating for others. No, you're right. Like, look, there's no doubt. Um, I guess, and you're right. Like, we can't based on this preseason because he hasn't played with Jimmy. We can't say that this is what's going to happen. I'm just saying, based on what we've seen, at least his mind, his mindset's in the right place, and I and I think it lends itself to That's being fair. able to play off of Jimmy and Bam. Right? Like, we'll we'll see. Wait, we will see. We can't. We don't know anything. The other part of it that I like is. I, I think we're going to get the let Tyler cook lineups a bit more this year than we did even last year. Right. With, with Jimmy and bam off. On, we know that Spo likes to play Jimmy and bam together anyway, because the net rating with those lineups over the last few years have been yeah. elite. Um, and it's yeah. kind of been Miami's only elite combination over the last couple of years in terms of net rating, but um, take them off the court together and then let Tyler cook. And, and we've seen Spo experiment with that a little bit last year. I think he might try to lean into it more this year. Bring in who then? Like, let's assume let's assume mm-hmm. the starting lineup, or maybe that's a conversation for the next segment. Let's say that, and we can talk a little bit about how Tyler might fit into lineups that incorporate both Jimmy Butler and Caleb Barton, presumably coming off the bench. Yeah, let's do that next here. I'm locked on heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Listen, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next big event, whatever that might be, whether it's sports music comedy theater events near you game time has you covered with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat i love this feature you can see exactly where you're going to sit so you know if there's going to be an obstruction or if you want to kind of change your perspective a little bit get they've got you covered their best price guarantee that might be the best part of it all is that the game time always takes the guesswork out of buying tickets and they always give you the best price available it's so many different options. You go into town, let's say you're traveling for work or something like that. You got a couple hours to kill. You're looking to get tickets. Maybe there might be a ball game taking place nearby. Maybe there's a concert or a comedy show, whatever that might be. You hit up Game Time, you get your tickets, and you get them at a great price. So download the Game Time app now, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA. You get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms do apply. But again, you just create an account and redeem the code L O C K E D. O-N-N-B-A. That's locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We'll get to what Zach Lowe reported about Miami's attempt to trade for Mm. Bradley Beal here in a second. But to answer your question that we left off in the last segment, David, what that second unit looks like, if, if it's a starting lineup of Kyle Lowry or Josh Richardson at point guard, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, and Bam Adebayo, like I said, Tyler Hero's already played quite a bit with Thomas Bryant with that second unit in, in the preseason. I think we'll see that. I think Thomas Bryant is the backup center for now, right? We, yep. I think there was an open competition between him and Orlando Robinson. Thomas Bryant seems to be the guy right now. Yep. Um, I love lineups with Tyler Hero and some shooting, whether it's Duncan Robinson they have hesitated to play Duncan and Tyler Hero against other starters in the past. Maybe yeah. you're more likely to do it if it's against, you know, other second units. And again, Spo has explored with that in the past, specifically last season, a little bit more often. I think Caleb Martin should be part of that lineup for, for defensive purposes. And I think you could put Jaime Hawkes Jr. in that lineup or Haywood Highsmith for defensive purposes. The one thing with Tyler Hero is no matter what, you want <laughs> some decent options. defenders around him. And so if you put Caleb and Highsmith out there with them, and maybe Josh Richardson too, if Kyle Lowry ends up being the starter, 
that's the let Tyler Hero cook lineup. That's three really good defenders around him, plus Thomas Bryant, who's not a great defender, but is a, a, a natural pick and roll partner for him. Yes, he is very uh, good. Pick and, and, roll. and so, boom, you have an identity now. All this pick and roll that Tyler Hero wants to run that he can't really run with the first unit because the first unit's not really a pick and roll offense, right? It's Bam out of bio operating at the top of the key, dribble handoffs, side to side movement, baseline cuts, and all that. That's the offense for the starting unit. They're not a pick and roll offense. But if you put Tyler and Thomas Bryant in that second unit and just let them run pick and roll and and three decent defenders, three good defenders around them, that to me intuitively makes some sense. Now you're going to see that with Bam too, right? Like, I mean, Bam's going to be setting screens. We saw that pairing work more effectively as the season progressed last year. They look good against uh, Memphis on Sunday night together too. Very good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's certainly, uh, you know, a wrinkle that we'll see incorporated. And, and just even talking about it though, like, I mean, I, I kind of teased it earlier, but, like Miami's depth has just been really impressive. And I know that maybe we're overstating things and a lot there was a lot of doubters around the country regarding Miami's ability to compete at a high level. But when you look at this team and its depth, like even in the lines that we're talking about, we're talking about cutting minutes for Josh Richardson, cutting minutes for Caleb Martin, who's been really good. Duncan Robinson might not get as much playing time. Jaime Hawkins might not get as much playing time. If you've got to incorporate Caleb and Josh there, there there's a lot of different ways for for you know not to mention even a guy like Nikola Jovic who we've barely seen since yeah. he got hurt during this preseason. There's a Orlando Robinson, Jamal Kane who we'll talk a little bit about later. Like that this this does seem at least so far maybe it's just kind of buying into the what we've seen during the preseason which I think it makes sense, but this could be the deepest team that Miami's had in years. Like you're, there are a lot of playable options and maybe it's just a matter of like you know Miami's best players aren't as top heavy as say you know Milwaukee or Boston. Boston. Yeah. yeah. But but when you go one through ten, one through eleven, maybe even one through twelve, that's a lot of good playable options. I think there's, there. there's twelve guys who kind of have to play a, a few minutes, right? And, and I don't know that have to play because they're among Miami's best players, but varying different things. Like you kind of want to see what Jovic and Hakez can give you, even though they're young. Sure. Like I, I think Miami needs to figure out and explore that a little bit more in the regular season. But then that comes at a cost from maybe a guy like Haywood Highsmith, who the Heat have already developed. For a couple of years, they've invested in this guy. They don't want to just put like just sit him on the bench for an entire regular season either. So I think there's guys that they got to figure out to your point. But to go back to Tyler Hero, because he's the guy that needs to take the leap. Like we could talk about the Haywood Highsmiths and the Hawkes as a rookie and all that stuff. Like if the Heat are going to make a leap as a team this year and get back to the conference finals and do the things that they want to do, Jimmy, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting from Bam. It comes from Tyler Hero. He's the guy that has to make the biggest leap of all these guys that we're talking about in order for the Heat to, to surpass expectations, exceed expectations again. Um, so we'll see what we'll see what happens on that front. But let's move on to um, Zach Lowe, who on a recent episode of the Low Post podcast uh, explored some of the Heat's thinking this summer, including why they weren't more aggressive in trading for Bradley Beal. Here's what he said, quote, I think that was a vote of confidence in Tyler Hero. From what I heard, the Heat looked at that situation and said, we don't think Bradley Beal, who's seven years older than Tyler Hero, $30 million is, is $30 million better than Tyler Hero going forward. We just don't think the upgrade is worth it, end quote. Uh, what do you think about that, David? I'm 100% in agreement. I think we've made that point a number of times on this show. Like, this yeah. is, we've been consistent in that what you're getting from Tyler as a 23-year-old, as a young player who was still another level to reach and presumably one that he might be taking this season and beyond that, like, He's a very good player. Bradley Beal, no knock on him. He's very good, a little bit more consistent perhaps, but he's also had a lot more opportunity to be the man, you know, the, the sure. primary 
go-to bucket getter for those teams that haven't really been in playoff contention for a number of years. He had to play alongside John Wall, but he really hasn't had that complimentary start taking his usage away or, or kind of taking those opportunities from him. As far as their playing styles are concerned, a little bit different perhaps, but Tyler is a very, very good player. I don't think he's that far behind what we've seen from Bradley Beal over the course of the career of his career to say, you know what, I'd, we let's go all in on acquiring Bradley Beal. He was never the primary option or the best complimentary star level player that Miami needs in order to take their next leap. Like I know a lot of people want to look to the finals and say well, Miami could have certainly used another bucket gator. With they could Tyler, they could have used Tyler Hero. Like he's he has been that bucket getter throughout yeah. his career. So I, I don't know that what? Bradley Beal and his limited playoff experience would necessarily have been a huge upgrade over what Tyler represents. Bradley Beal is a very good player. Um, yep, his it's all that's true. It's also true that his best basketball is probably behind him in terms of individual yep. success. He's gonna he's okay. gonna have way more team success in Phoenix than he ever did in Washington. The bars yes. are very high. That, I know I understand the bar is pretty low when we're talking about that, but. I think the Suns are going to be really good, and I'm, and I'm happy for Bradley Beal and what they got going on there. That's not really the issue. I mean, part of it is the issue that they think, okay, Bradley Beal, seven years older, where his best individual basketball is probably behind him. Him playing next to a guy like Kevin Durant and, and certainly Devin Booker is very different than playing next to Jimmy and Bam because KD and Booker – are are prime are in, uh, unto themselves primary they, offensive scorers. They Bradley need their doesn't be that yeah. anymore, right? For them, yeah. Beal in Miami is a very different circumstance, right? I think it could have worked. Obviously, I think that would have been a very good team. But Beal in Miami is now has to be the number one scorer every single night, and I think he could have done that for a year, probably two years. But when you start to get to the that the outer edge of that contract, and he's going to be making fifty, sixty million dollars almost at, uh, at that point. He's already thirty years old. He's got that no trade clause that that was basically had to come over in any kind of deal because he wasn't willing to waive it. There's a lot of things that go into that that made Miami say, you know what? Instead of getting Beal at 30 with the no trade clause, with this contract, and kind of boxing ourselves into that trio of Beal, Butler, and Bam for the next three to four years, we would rather have Tyler Hero at 23 under a very reasonable $20 million contract and all the flexibility that comes along with it. And that flexibility ultimately put them in the running potentially for Damian Lillard, right? And so exactly. that's uh, – and by the way, when the, all this Beal stuff was happening in, in, in the beginning of the summer, you and I said, go after Bradley Beal, but not if it costs you Tyler Hero. If you're able to do like Kyle Allen yes. six or Tyler Hero yes. or something like that, like give an offer because, again, that no trade clause, we had no idea the market for Bradley Beal. We didn't know we, – we thought it was going to be very, very depressed. And so we said, don't trade Tyler for him, but if you can get him, get him. Because that's just more scoring, and that's always helpful. So, um, yeah, you and I were always in alignment on this. We didn't expect that the Heat would would be aggressively pushing for Bradley Beal because of how they view Tyler Hero and all the contract stuff that we were talking about. But I, I still think Tyler Hero on this contract at 23 years old has his basket, best basketball in front of him. If he can sort of reach that point of being close to what Bradley Beal is now, then the yes. Heat will look vindicated for not even getting aggressive in Bradley Beal in the first place, even though I already think they do based on, again, the context of everything here. And by the way, now, because they didn't make the Beal deal, because they didn't make the Damian Lillard trade, they, their powder is still dry. They could still sort of cobble together some things if somebody becomes available in the next three months before the NBA trade deadline also, right? And maybe right. that includes Tyler Hero, maybe it doesn't. And I think right. the Heat are going to be very much interested in seeing what it is that Tyler Hero can provide them, whether they whether or not they need to make a trade in the first place at all, or if Tyler Hero even kind of bounces back in terms of and rebuilds that trade value 
it took such a hit over the summer. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I th- just I can hear the naysayers in the background kind of saying, "Oh, they were willing to trade him. They were willing to trade him." You know, for for Damian Lillard, it's like that's Damian Lillard. Yeah, that's different. It's, different. it's it's you know, you don't trade apples for you know a slightly shinier, slightly better tasting apple, just slightly better. That might be what Bradley Beal represents. It's if you're gonna get apples for like eighty five pineapples and Damian Lillard or something along those lines. Yeah, that's a conversation that you have to have as a front office. They did their due diligence. I think I think they would have preferred to acquire Damian Lillard without trading Tyler Hero too. I think they would have liked to oh, see sure, what that obviously. lineup was possible. Obviously, that wasn't going to work out either way. So it's not to say that he's not a tradable asset, which I hate to use that terminology, but that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's in order to acquire such a significantly better or more complementary superstar that can't help you take that next level much more clearly. And Tyler wind up might might wind up emerging as that next superstar anyway. One player did emerge over the weekend as the favorite to land the Heat's final roster spot. We'll tell you who it is after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, BetterHelp uh, offers therapy services for people who might use them. And I know already a lot of people might be thinking, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't really like the idea of therapy. There's a, a stigma attached to it. But the BetterHelp offers such a convenient way of finding the person that you might be needing to talk to about whatever might be going on. I had a friend who fit that same category, kind of pushed it off for years. Just like, oh, I don't know why my relationships don't work. I don't know why I keep having problems with this, that, and other. And uh, you know what? I was like, why don't you try therapy? I recommended BetterHelp because of this ad read. He tried it. Find a therapist, super convenient. Wound up having a great conversation with that person. But at the same time, their schedules didn't match up perfectly. Went and found somebody else. Perfect fit. Has been continued to see him for, for a, a number of months now. And it's just great. been a really great benefit for him. Uh, better help. It just it gives you the opportunity to find the help that you've been looking for. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. And right now, visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA. And you can get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. So with so many guys out the last couple of preseason games, it did give opportunities to some of the younger guys to show out, step up a little bit, especially the two-way guys. Yeah. And Jamal Kane has taken this opportunity and might have secured the inside track on getting the Heat's final roster spot. Here's his numbers from over the weekend. First, the Spurs Friday night. 24 points on 9 of 14 shooting from the field. 6 of 8 on three-pointers. 10 rebounds. This on a night where he was playing Victor Webinyama and Webinyama for many reasons, and rightfully so, stole the spotlight, right? He's the dude. Jamal Kane was quietly the leading scorer in that game. Webinyama had 23 points. Jamal Kane had 24 points. Sunday against Memphis, 14 points on six of nine shooting from the field, one of two on three-pointers, seven rebounds, and a steal. Defensively in all three games, he went scoreless in the in the season opener, preseason opener against Charlotte, but played really yeah. well defensively, especially in that fourth quarter, uh, that fourth quarter comeback that they had in that first game. That's right. Jamal Cain, man, like you and I wondered if he would even make the roster. It, what right? a difference because, a week makes. Yeah. It was a yeah, pretty I mean, quiet training camp for him, and then all of a sudden. He's just gotten his opportunities and he's made the most of it. Like, like that's the beauty of the NBA. You get a chance, and then all of a sudden you can leapfrog other people that seem like they had an inside track where all of a sudden none exists. Um, 
you look at the level of depth that there is at that wing spot, and I'm not really sure where Jamal Kane even fits in. Yeah. But I, uh, when the roster is healthy, but we do know this: Jimmy Butler is going to miss at least 20 games this year. So you're already down one wing. Who knows what other injuries might occur? You can never have too many wings on your roster. R.J. Hampton has been out with uh, like a knee or a hamstring or something. Hamstring, yeah. um, a hamstring for the last couple of games, so he hasn't really had a chance to make much of an impact, even though he's the other guy in the two-way contract. And then the last guy in the two-way contract is Drew Smith, who you and I thought probably had the inside track before the preseason started, based on not only what we heard in training camp, because every so time you talk yeah. to anybody, he was like, "Hey, this guy is one of the standouts during camp at FAU." But yeah, David, to your point, positional need. There's not a whole lot of depth. I mean, it's Kyle Lowry, and that's it in terms of traditional point guards on this roster. And even though Drew Smith is not a traditional point guard in that sense, that's probably the, the position he most projects to be able to play at the NBA level. So he thought, okay, more ball handling. You want some depth. He's probably the guy that gets promoted to the 15-man roster. Just to recap really quick for anybody that doesn't know, Miami has 13 guys under contract right now. Um, they have three guys on the two ways, Drew Smith, Jamal Kane, and RJ Hampton. More than likely, they're probably going to promote one of those guys from the two-way to the regular roster and then put Cole Swider onto one of those two ways. That's that's the that's what we anticipate to happen right now. Although Cole yeah. Swider sh should be mentioned, like could also get one of these 15-man roster spots and then you can just lose leave the two ways alone. That's also an option. But based on what we've seen with Jamal Kane specifically over these last two games over the weekend, David, the depth, all that stuff, like forget it. Like he's been the best player out of that entire group. Give, I, I think now he's probably got to be considered the favorite to earn that 15-man roster spot. Yeah, I'm just trying to think from from Spo's perspective. Like, what is it that they're looking for in terms of who they promote? Is it the guy who provides the most, and that's what Jamal has done, or is it somebody like Drew who fits the positional need, or is it somebody that has like a skill that you'll absolutely need over the course of the season shooting, and that's what Cole provides. Although, hey, the way Kane's been shooting the ball, and I yeah. must say, like the way he's taken those shots effortlessly from distance, comfortably, we've talked a number of times. I don't, I'm trying to recall if he was the player who we spoke to on media day who talked about making those quick decisions. Actually, I think it was Orlando Highsmith, but we were seeing it with Jamal too, like getting the shot, the opportunity, no hesitation, letting it fly and nailing these shots, like contested, wide open, you name it. He's been out there. Like, really, really and, comfortable and offensively. I think the Heat have put a lot of work into Jamal Kane too, and I think that's got to be part of it as well, right? If you consider yeah. him against Drew Smith, who they've put work into as well, but not as much as Jamal Kane over the last year. He spent basically the entire year on the two-way. Drew Smith yeah. went up and down and played a few games for Brooklyn and stuff like that. And then RJ Hampton's obviously new to the program. Um, I think they also want to reward the guy that's put the work in and done these things. And um Jamal Kane, if you promote him, that's also insurance in case, for whatever reason, Jaime Jaquez isn't ready to contribute as a rookie. It's insurance in case, say, hey, with Highsmith, if that three-pointer never really turns the corner. As much work yeah. as he put – and he's looked good. He's looked good. Yes. Um, and But it's, I'm just saying, like, it's insurance in case one of those guys isn't really ready to step up. And again, if you face injuries, I think they want wings there. Uh, Jamal Kane is not much of a ball handler. He's not going to really provide anything in that, uh, in that concern. But right. I just think that – with these guys, there's a temptation to overthink it. If Jamal Kane has just been head over heels better than the other two, than everybody else that's sort of in the running, it just makes sense to promote him and then figure it out later. I suppose the other option would be, okay, look for outside help, right? There's been some noise on the Goran Dragic, John Wall, and I, should, I shouldn't say noise. There's been like some wondering on Heat yes. Twitter and, and Heat message boards like, hey, should they go and go get these guys? You and I have already sort of debated that back and forth for a lot of reasons. 
uh, upside uh, cost, right, relative cost with these young players versus guys who've been in the league for 10 plus years. It's a very different amount of money that you have to spend on the veterans when Absolutely. you include the luxury taxes and all that stuff. So I anticipate, and again, roster cuts will happen. Other guys could shake loose. Maybe Miami has their eye on somebody else and they say, you know what, let's just go get somebody from uh, from the outside who is a point guard, who maybe is can really help our ball handling right now. Let's go get one of those guys. I think all that stuff has to be considered an option because they still have that one roster spot available. We don't anticipate that they'll fill all 15 either because of the cost cutting uh, situation. But I do. If you ask me right now, David, I think they. I think Jamal Cain is the favorite to get the regular roster spot. Good. You know, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, he's put in yeah. the work, and 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 you know, you and I almost basically wrote him off a week ago. We were kind of surprised to hear how quiet his camp had been in mm -hmm. terms of like not really standing out and not really like much buzz attached to his performance. But if he's done something over the last couple you know, last week, really in order to kind of continue to build his stock up and in order to continue to show, you know what, I've been here the longest. I want to be able to show out. I want to be able to prove that I can be an NBA level player. Well, he certainly had a really, really good game against the Spurs and he followed that up with another strong performance albeit again in limited minutes. Like there might not be a lot of playing time unless there's a number of injuries to Miami's already right. pretty solid wing depth. But it's nice to know that you have a player like that who could stand up and, and kind of, you know, give Miami an opportunity to still stay close in games and yeah. maybe even help them and, win. It, and well said, like that, not a guy that you anticipate is going to be part of the nightly rotation when everybody's healthy. But if do, if guys do get hurt, a guy that you'd like to have as an option. And, and Pat Riley said this. What what are they looking to add this offseason? Right. Length. Right. And, and size on the perimeter, right? Jamal Cain, like they've already done that in a number of different ways, but they could they could sort of double, triple, quadruple down on that with Jamal Cain, at least in terms of just having a depth option at the end of the bench. Yep. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app.